Um, as you know, we've been doing a series over the past few weeks of our, our thieves and occupants. Uh, and this morning, you've got a special treat because you've got a double header. You have the tag team, and it's not Big Daddy and uh, Giant Haystacks, but rather it's uh, myself and Christian, and I've got the, um, the joy of kicking off. It can be faith and passion this morning. And I'm, I've been told I need to speak about faith with passion, and Christian's going to be, speak about passion with a bit of faith involved. So let's go. In the, uh, in the New Testament, there's a, a book called Luke. It's one of the four Gospels. And in chapter 7, we have a great story. And I'm talking about faith this morning. And the story, I'm not going to read it all the, all the way through, but please, in your own time, read it in chapter 7. And we have a story there of two key events. We have a centurion, a Roman centurion, who comes to Jesus because his servant is desperately ill and dying. And then later in the chapter, we have John the Baptist, who himself is called by Jesus as the greatest prophet that ever lived, who has a wobble. Okay? So on the one, one stage, we have the, the outsider, the guy who doesn't really click Jewish people needing Jesus. And then we have the greatest prophet having a wobble. And I think it's good to start there this morning, talking about faith. You see, when we talk about faith at church, there's many... There's many uh, you know, descriptions you could use. Some people say it's like a blind leap off a, off a cliff. And for some people, and sometimes in your, in your Christian life, it is exactly that. Where God says, trust me, he said to Abraham, leave your land. Leave your country and go somewhere I will show you. You see, that's a blind leap. That's a venture into the unknown. Sometimes it's, it's a strong persuasion. It's a complete lack of doubt. This morning, you know, I did something really stupid. I got up. And I, I got my breakfast bowl out of the cupboard after my shower. I thought, I'm going to have some breakfast. And in the cupboard, there was some rice, snaps from Tesco, of course. Other brands are available. And I thought, right. I'm, so I got the bowl out, got the box. And I, I did something really stupid. Really stupid. I didn't check inside the box first to see what was there. Why? Because the box said rice snaps. So when I opened that box and poured it into my bowl, I expected rice snaps. And yes, I got rice snaps because the box said rice snaps. I didn't doubt that the rice snaps in the box. I had faith in what the box said. And sometimes we need to do that as Christians. It, Christian is all about being in faith. It's a faith that we run with. And it's what the box says, like Ron Seal and other brands are available. It does exactly what it says on the tin. You see, faith is a confident expectation. Hebrews 11 verse 1 said we are sure of what we hope for. We're certain of what we do not see. Now, I've had it on good authority this morning. There's about 160 people in the room this morning. Most of us are breathing around about six to ten times per minute, and we're all taking oxygen. But yet, as I look around the room, none of you looked panicked as there might not be enough air in this room this morning. No one's gasping for breath, thinking, oh, no, there's so many people sharing my air. Have I got some left for me? We don't see air. We don't even think about that breathing mechanism inside our body, unless you're in medicine or or uh, engines, or anything else. Air doesn't really mean a lot to you, but every single moment, you're taking in air, and you're breathing it out again. Certain of what we do not see. Sometimes it's an unshakable cornerstone of hope and trust. Now, I fly on occasion, and uh, I'm sitting in the seat, and then the, uh, the, the, the voice comes out of the tunnel. Good morning, this is your captain speaking. Are we going to be flying there? We're going to take off. We're going to turn left. Not once, not once, I can tell you, not once have I got out of my seat, walked up to the cockpit, knocked on the door, said, I demand to see that there is a pilot. Because all the flying I've done over the, over the years, I know the plane takes off, it flies, it lands, and the pilot, I never see him, unless he's saying goodbye as I leave the plane. I don't demand to see the pilot, but I know he is there. 
by the action that goes on inside that aircraft. And this centurion comes to Jesus. And this centurion, you have to, you have to remember, he's a Roman. He's not a Jew. He's not part of the system. In fact, he could say to anybody he liked in the street, my load is too heavy, pick it up and carry it for me. He could say to anybody if he is cold, look, I'm cold, give me your coat. And that Jewish person would have no choice but to give that centurion his coat. He commanded 100 men or so. When he said to them, dig a trench, they, they dug a trench. If he said, get me some food, they got some food. If he said, get me some water, they got some water. He was a man of authority. He could give the rules. He could really spell it out. But right now, he was in a quandary because his servant was dying. Now, no doubt, as being a Roman, he had his house full of little idols and little altars to all the Roman gods. But nothing had made a difference. And right there and then, he knew he needed to see Jesus. This Jew who was walking around healing people, this Roman centurion knew he needed to see him. And these words are fantastic. In fact, Jesus himself says, I've never heard such faith ever. The Roman centurion said to Jesus, you just say the word. Because the first thing I want to note this morning is, if you can recognize the authority. If you're going to walk in faith, you need to recognize the authority by which you walk. The Roman centurion said to Jesus, you just say the word. I just want to pause for a minute. His world was turning upside down. And I just felt really strongly in preparing this message. I just want to speak to two people in particular in this room today. Somebody here is, is on the journey to faith. You've been through arena doors. You're not quite sure what you're doing here sometimes. God wants to turn your world upside down. Just like this Roman centurion. He thought he had it all sorted out. He thought his little gods would help him. This morning, you've come to arena church. You're not yet in faith. I want to promise you. God is deliberately shaking up your world that you might have a fresh foundation on which to build your life. Because all you've know, known to date, that's not the plan for your life. God is building for you right now a fresh foundation. If that's you this morning, I'd be delighted to pray with you at the end because I really feel God is speaking to you on that one. And somebody else in the house as well, a Christian. You've been a, a Christian for many years. You've sang the songs. You've, you've prayed the prayers. You've... You've raised your hands in the right place. But 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 says, you have a form of godliness, but deny the power. And this morning, I just want to challenge you. I want to shake your world up this morning. You know who you are, but God is speaking to you about that life of faith. You've not been saying to Jesus, you just say the word. You've been trying to do it on your own merits, on your own efforts. This morning, God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God, and right now he's speaking into your heart. So please, if that's for you, just take it away. And just let's say, God, I want a new foundation of faith. You see, in recognizing authority, we let Jesus do his work. You see, what about doubts? Andy, say, it's great for you to have faith. You've been a Christian for years, haven't you? Surely, surely, even you have had doubts. Well, yes, I have. And doubts are the other side of faith. Selwyn Hughes, have you heard of Selwyn Hughes? Great writer. He's, he's, uh, he's been dead a few years, but great writer. But even Selwyn Hughes, who's blessed millions of Christians of the world, says this. There was a time, a dark period in my Christian life, when I had serious doubts about the faith myself. This is Selwyn Hughes. Now, I don't know if you can see from there, but what is that in my hand? Anybody see what that is? Front row, perhaps? It's a 20 pence quit yet. Excellent, excellent. Anybody here see what's in my hand there? 
It's, it's a 50 pence coin, right? Okay, and what about this one? Everybody see what's in my hand just there? It's two pound coin. See, you all knew that. None of you saw the value on the other side of the coin that said two pounds or 50 pence or 20 pence. Because Selwyn Hughes goes on to say this. Doubt is the other side of faith. No one should worry if there are doubts. They are messages to tell us to turn the coin. And we will find the other side to be true. See, on this side, you have the queen's head. When I'm not sure of what I'm doing, I can see in my life the head, and that is God. That is Jesus. When I flip the coin, the other side of doubt is faith. And this centurion needed to flip his coin, but not as much as John the Baptist. Because I mentioned that uh, John the Baptist was having a wobble. He sent his servants, uh, his, his disciples, to Jesus. And the message was simple, was Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one we're looking for? Now Jesus, as I said earlier, described John the Baptist as the greatest prophet that ever lived. But here he was having a moment. How many of you have had a moment before? How many of you have thought, I really don't know what's going on. You've been a Christian for years. You see, there's a burning bush in the desert. It's the value. And then Moses says, I can't do this. He flips the coin. It's a doubt. God says, take your stick. Turn the coin. Doubt on one side, faith on the other. Maybe Peter, as he, as he got out of the boat, he saw Jesus full of faith. That's great. Then he saw the waves. Doubts crept in. But Jesus said, why did he doubt? Have some faith. If in your life right now you've got things you're doubting, it all happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. Doubt is just the other side of the coin of faith. Because not, not only do we recognize the authority, we can also reflect the authority. The Bible says at that very hour, Jesus healed the sick. He made the blind to see. He cast demons out of people. Then he turned to John's disciples and said, go and tell John. Because as a Christian in the walk of faith, it's not just about me. It's not just about the introspective. That's where doubt started. Well, look on myself. Jesus said to his disciples, go and tell John what you have just seen. The Bible says that very hour. And maybe right now you're sitting here thinking, Andy, you are so right. I'm not right. It's the Bible. It's the words of the Bible. Go and tell John exactly what you've just seen. Recognize the authority, then reflect the authority. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. Job also said, even though God slays me, yet will I trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, even if God doesn't deliver us from the flames, we will still not bow. That's the life of faith. That's the foundation. That's the underpin. That's everything they base their life on. Paul says, I know who I have believed. David said, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. And the giant is going up the same way. He's going the same way. My God will look after me. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. That's a life of faith. It's not always a blind leap. It's not always a venture into the unknown. It's standing firm of what God has already shown you. Go and tell John. You know, that life of faith will be naturally reflected in your life without you ever saying something. Some of you are new Christians, and you're thinking, how on earth can I ever talk to someone about God? I don't have it in me to, to speak out loud. 
Just be yourself. Just be who God is being in you right now. God is working in every single heart right now. And just let that work have its out, outward appearance. They said the, the visible changes in your reaction. Say, a few years ago, if someone ran over your toe, you'd scream and you'd shout and you'd swear. But now when someone does it, you just, oh, that hurt. That's all that comes out of your mouth. Or some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because your language was blue. Your language was foul, but not anymore. People will notice. You can declare God's goodness and provision. And you can look beyond yourself to the needs of others. That's the life of faith. It's the underpinning. It's the bedrock. Someone says, I believe God created everything. I'm awed by his handiwork, the forest and the ocean and the sky that surrounds us. I believe God made us, but our nature isn't always Godlike. God is a mystery I'll never fully explain or understand. I'm consent, content to accept the things the way they are. That was B.B. King, the guitarist who died this week. He had a faith in God as well. But how does this story end? Well, the very moment Jesus spoke the words, that centurion's servant was healed. Of course, you know, it didn't end so well for John. Or did it? Or did it? Because he walked exactly the path that was laid out for him, a life of faith. If I handed a Christian in just a few seconds, that's that call for you, that bedrock, that underpinning foundation upon which everything else the Christian faith is built on. We recognize the authority, the absolute supremacy of God. And then once we've got that in our lives, once we surrender completely to God, then it's just natural that we reflect we will reflect the authority of God. Andy, and continuing with our series, uh, what we're endeavouring to do is just lay in the behaviours, the foundations that make uh, Arena Church work. Now, some of us have particular passions. Um, I, I, know, I know some people here have a particular passion. You can see just over this section, they have a passion, passion to look good. They work out, they buy nice clothes, they get nice haircuts done, and uh, just a real passion, you notice how I came over this section, you look, look, I haven't got a clue, but just a real passion for looking good. Some people have a particular passion for, for a hobby. Uh, some people love um, classic cars, people love knitting, they have a passion for knitting, if you're a knitter, God bless you. I don't get it, but that's great. But, you know, at winter, if you could knit me a woolly hat, that'd be awesome. I'd be very appreciative of it. But all different passions. Some people here have passions for animals. It was really funny, actually. Caroline, she was uh, um, uh, uh, absconded by, if that's the right word, uh, or apprehended, that's a better word, apprehended by somebody coming out of a supermarket and they said, uh, would you like to make a donation for the Animal Rescue Society? Now, please don't get all worked up if that's your bag. But Caroline immediately says, well, I, we actually do give money and we actually give it to people rather than animals. You want to see the reaction? It was almost like this, you know, she'd said the, the filthiest thing ever. If that's your passion, animals, God bless you. You know, some people have a particular passion for football teams. We won't go there this morning, but, you know, here where we have the... The, the red uh, and black and white divide, Derby and Nottingham Forest, it runs very, very deep. There's certainly a group of people who have a passion for the Green Army. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's all kinds of passions that we can own. 
When I talk about passion, what I'm talking about is a powerful and compelling emotion. A powerful and compelling emotion. Something stirs deep within our hearts. And I want to be very clear this morning, following on from Andy in terms of faith, and they're very much closely linked. But here at Arena Church, we love passion. I just love the passion of some of you older people here. You're more energetic, you're more up for it than some of these younger ones over here. Anybody know what I'm talking about, you older guys? You're just loving life and just going for it and just... I've seen you at the afternoon teas when we've run them. We're going to run some more. You're doing your thing. It's just you love it. Anybody just... I've got to get in there. Anybody watch that Britain's Got Talent? Not, not last night. Did you see that where those older guys came up on the stage? And it, give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. The, what happened was there was a few older guys who came up on the stage and we thought, what, Simon Cowell's there, what, we got it. If you're too spiritual, what, Britain's got talent. Okay, keep praying for me, but, you know, I'll get there. But anyway, I was watching this, Britain's got talent, and you thought, why are you going to get it? Well, anyway, they, these old guys, they started body popping. It was brilliant. They were doing their thing, and it was, it was hilarious. These guys had a passion for dancing. And we love in Arena Church, all ages, having a passion. Let me tell you, we want to furnish this house with discipleship. We want to furnish this house. We're talking Arena Church now with aspiration. We want to furnish this house with faith. And we want to furnish this house with passion. We do not want to allow the passion to just be outside and not be in the church. And listen to me. If you have a passion for cats, God bless you. If you have a passion for football, if you have a passion for travel, if you have a passion for clothes and looking good, if you have a passion to read and educate yourself, they're all wonderful as long as they're placed under the one passion, which is a passion to pursue Jesus. You do not need to leave your passions at the door. What you've just got to make sure is that Jesus is above all other passions. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? That's all we're talking about in Arena Church. We're not asking you to leave those things to one side. You can enjoy the conversation of of all that you enjoy. As long as Jesus is the one who is above all of those passions. Let me turn your attention to Mark chapter 10. We're going to see it on the screen, verse 46. It's a familiar passage of of Scripture, and I do want to read the whole six, seven verses this morning. And he reads, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, um, yeah, then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Everybody say, to shout. Everybody say, to shout. I can't shout at the moment because of my voice, but I'd love to shout, I'll tell you. I'm going to get there again. But he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's continue. Many rebuked him. Everybody say, rebuked him. And told him to be quiet. Everybody repeat, told him to to be quiet. These are key verses. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. 
Verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. There's the faith. Your faith. Your faith. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. There are many people who want you to be quiet. There are many people who try to get you to be quiet. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage, we want to lay a foundation and furnish the house of Arena Church with passion. We want to be a people who are passionate. I just want to say two things very quickly. Bartimaeus, it was interesting. There were people here who were trying to quieten him down. You've seen that advert. Calm down, my dear. You know that motor insurance. Calm down. You know, people just calm down. What's all the fuss about? Jacob, calm down on the drums. Don't bang them as loud. Calm down. What you guys get excited about community activity for? Calm down. Steve, what's your problem about all social enterprise and create? Calm, calm down. Calm down. Everybody calm down. What are you getting so pumped up about Acorn's kids for? Calm, calm down. And Bartimaeus was there. And he wouldn't calm down. And they would try to quieten him down. Let me tell you, people will always try to quieten you with our pursuit of Jesus. We have a passion, a passion to pursue Jesus. If you don't know what Arena Church is about, we're trying to just lay foundations. We have a passion to pursue Jesus. Lindsay mentions about the building. It's not about the building. It's about people. The building will help us to reach the people. And it's actually not just about the people. It's because we want to do something great for Jesus. We want to do something great for him. And we have a passion A passion to pursue Jesus. And Bartimaeus, we're reading this story, heard that Jesus was in town, knew this is his opportunity, and he took it with all his might. And he didn't do it quietly. Some people have said to us in this church, on the door, we like this church, love love the welcome, like the people, love what you're doing in the community. But if you could just quieten the music down, then we'll come and join you. Seriously, they said that to us. Say, God bless you. You need to go and find another church. Because we're not about to quieten things. You know, we, we, we love you guys, but you're just a bit too exuberant and a bit out there and for, G, for Jesus. And we'll be your friend. We'll join with you. We'll go somewhere else. We're not about to quieten down. Tell you what, I get really pumped up, as you can tell, about the things that I'm passionate about. And I'm incredibly passionate about pursuing Jesus. The other thing, they won't just try to quiet you down. They'll also try to dampen your enthusiasm. As a young boy, this is, this is fatal. As a young boy, as a young man, I was only been preaching a few times. There's a guy in the church that I was part of in Milton Keynes. He was, at that point, out, out of ministry. There was reasons why he was out of ministry. And I remember preaching my heart out, little heart out. Actually, it was a big heart. 
I was a little framed. I was like that, actually. But this big heart just pumping out and just really believing God. And I remember this guy come to me. I thought it was going to be really encouraging. And he said to me, he said, you're completely too loud in your preaching. It's distracting. The way that you walk around all the time is very distracting. And I mean, he's still doing this. You can see I took a blind bit of notes of him. And you just need to settle yourself down because that's how you connect with people. I want to tell you, you wrecked me. The guy wrecked me. For months, I recoiled. I thought, well, he knows what he's talking about because he was in ministry and, and I don't. And, and it was almost like the Lord said to me, this is how I created you to be. You're a passionate person. Terry Rossington said to me many times, it's one of the things that you bring to this house is passion. It's not manufactured. See me around the offices. There's times when I'm quiet, but I'm passionate. I get in meetings. These have been in me. I get passionate. That's what I do. It's what I am. And yet here I had a guy trying to dampen my enthusiasm. I love what it says here. It says here, men rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But what did he do? He shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. Listen to me. People in this passion will try to quieten you. And people will try to dampen your enthusiasm. But I want to tell you, like Bartimaeus, he had a passion to pursue Jesus. And our passion to pursue Jesus and the presence of God, our passion to please Jesus, our passion to just run after him should be irresistible and uncontrollable. That is why you get Julie doing what she's doing this morning to try and stir us. It's not hyping us because she's passionate about pursuing Jesus. And she wants other people to be passionate about pursuing Jesus. I know some of your temperaments are more quieter. I get that. But listen, don't let's make that an excuse for just sitting there like this. I once heard somebody say to me, well, I I worship Jesus when I'm sat there in the quietness of the moment. Let me tell you, with me me losing my voice, it's so difficult to worship Jesus quietly. You see me not singing, it's not because I don't like what they're doing. I'm having to just watch my voice, right? I'll tell you what, it's so difficult worshiping Jesus when you can't sing. I don't know how you can worship Jesus without singing songs to him. And we want to be people who passionately pursue Jesus. Jesus. It should be irresistible. It should be uncontrollable. And it shows itself out in four areas. Very quickly, worship. Worship. I want to tell you, we will never be average in Arena Church. We want you to be pumped up. We want you to, we want, actually want more people to dance. We want more people to lift their hands. We want more people to just sing out praises to him. We want more people to get excited about being in his presence. This is what we want to encourage in the life of this church. Because Jesus has done so much in us. I had a conversation with Debbie and with Lisa on Friday. Caroline and I walked away and just the the thought was, these, these girls have just been forgiven so much. That is why they love so much. And they just can't help themselves. It's irresistible. It's uncontrollable. The passion that they have for lost people and broken people and hurting people. We saw it again in the weekly news that just poured out. And please read your weekly newses. No putting out if you don't read them. Great weekly news. Just poured out again. Just a story. You know that one of the girls, she's here today, wrote. And, and then Lisa just added to it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. I want to tell you, we need to be people who are just full of passion. And in the area of worship, we need to be passionate. Secondly, lost people. We're encouraged to go to the highways and the byways. 
I don't know what it is at the moment. I just sense an urgency. An urgency. Use that, that word carefully and intentionally. An urgency. Let me just challenge you. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone about Jesus? Not about what we're doing in the community. Not about what this church is doing. Not about when you came to church. About Jesus. Because your friends and colleagues and neighbours and family members, they need Jesus. They're going to a lossless eternity without Jesus. They have no way of knowing unless we tell them. And God has placed them in your world for you to be the person who communicates something of God's heart to them. And we don't have to do that like a maniac. We don't have to go and get Bible verses and Bible bash. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about speaking up. I'm talking about showing Jesus. I'm talking about having a passion and urgency for lost people. Lost people matter to God. This world, if we open these blinds this morning, we'd see a whole world that is lost. A whole world that is lost. You've got your ticket. You're going to heaven. You know Jesus Christ. You know the benefits of what he's done in your life. But there's many people who haven't. And I think it's stirring in Caroline and mine's heart. More and more, I said to the elders, Monday night, something that's stirring, it's not manufactured. A deep, deep urgency for me to go and tell others about Jesus more than I've ever known before. And I'm not just talking about from a platform. I'm actually talking about one-on-one. Telling people about Jesus. We need to have a passion for worship for lost people, for serving others. Can I say thank you to those who were involved in Pamper One, in Serve One, and the pampering guys, sorry, Pamper One. <laughs> you probably did Pamper One and Pumper One and everything else. I'm looking over there. There's many of you who was involved in it. Thank you so much for all the guys who took a lead and just the way that you served young ladies and just blessed them. And it was just amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And also the guys who were involved in the football you know, and just serving those boys, and thanks to Gareth. Just send my thanks to Gareth to, to, for just coming along. It was Gareth who came and shared, wasn't it? Gareth who came and just shared, and just, just fantastic. I wonder if we'd just show our appreciation to these guys. They're mainly over here. Thank you. Wonderful. Serving people. Serving people. Serving people. Every one of us serving someone. We have a passion. And lastly, for excellence. Excellence, some people get turned off by. I don't. It's doing our best. Why do we always do cheap and shoddy? We don't do cheap and shoddy in this church. We don't want to do cheap and shoddy in this church. I think he deserves the best. I think this king deserves the best. If a woman can take her, uh, her inheritance, which was an alabaster jar, worth a year wages, and break it and pour it on Jesus, then I think we can do our very best for him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need to give our very best to Jesus. We have a passion for worship, for lost people, for serving, and for excellence. Just quickly, I've, I've overshot time. Andy's been a good lad. Five, five things. Are they on the screens, if we can have them? What does this mean? We'll be intentional about living passionately and enthusiastically in every aspect of our lives. Don't leave your passion for football at the door. Bring it into church. Don't bring your passion for animals at the door. Bring it to church. Don't have your passion for travel at the door. Bring it to church. But just make sure Jesus is over all the passions. Yeah? Secondly, we will praise and worship in our corporate gatherings. Listen to the language. Unashamed exuberance. I feel like going into a chant, but I can't. You know, just a rah-rah. Unashamed exuberance. Number three, we will be wholehearted in our serving in the life of arena even when it's inconvenient. It's always inconvenient. 
It's never, it's never convenient. It's always inconvenient. Fourthly, we will by works and words reflect God's passionate heart for lost people. Please underline that. It's not about building a big church here so we've got a thousand people. That is not on our agenda. We just want this, this town to be touched by Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Colin, I will pour out my spirit in this place. That is what we're believing for, for God to do something amazing. And lastly, we will do our very best with what God entrusts us, our finances, our gifts, our talents, and our call. Can I ask you to live a life of faith? Even when you're doubting, flick the coin. It'll fall on faith. As many times I've stepped into something and I've doubted. And when I was here in Selwyn Hughes, even last, last year, here's a confession. I was checking through the whole salvation stuff again. Just last year, just really, you know, just, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a wobble, but just, God, is, this, is all this real? It seems too good to be true. It is. I'm just reading it through again. There's always doubts that come to us. But we're pressing in faith. Some of you need to take the step of faith today to put your trust completely in Jesus. And with regards to passion, what can we say? Let's be people who are not boring. Let's be people who are not mediocre. Let's not be people who, 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 who have beige. And if you've got a beige, sorry, Julie, if you've got a beige top on, you know, that's fine. I'm not saying she's boring. I'm not saying she's boring at all. But let, let, let's, 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 let's be like Debbie and let's be like Hazel and have a bit of color to our lives. That's all I'm talking about. And Julie normally does color to our lives. You hearing me? And live passionately for Jesus. And may you be the passions, passion of all passions. I wonder if we bow our heads. I wonder if the guys would come and join me on the platform. In a moment, we're going to give of our second offering. Don't all get freaked out about that because we're going to give of our mercy offering in a moment. But before we do that,